0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All
1: right, thanks, John. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Frontrunner Joe Biden taking on opponents who've been taking him on for recalling the, quote, civility of two notorious segregationists. Wait until you hear what the former VP said in response. And Senator Bernie Sanders is here tonight. He's in the thick of this fight for all the policy plans. The real plan he needs is how does he beat Trump? Let's see if the senator has an answer you like. And what does he think of Biden's battles with his past and Elizabeth Warren catching up to him in the present polling? We also have a member of the House Judiciary Committee here tonight, fresh off the Hope Hicks testimony and the first hearing on reparations in 30 years. Let's get word from inside the rooms where things happen. What do you say? Let's get after it. All right. So Joe Biden has gone from offense to defense. All right. He's now taking on the rivals who were going after him for recalling the, quote, civility of two former segregationist senators tonight, here's what Biden had to say to them.
2: Are you going to right, apologize, thanks, guys. like Cory Booker, Booker has Apologize
0: for what? Cory Booker's called for it. Cory should
1: apologize. apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole
3: career. Period. Period. Period.
1: Now, Senator Sanders said earlier today that he agreed with Cory Booker that Biden should apologize. We'll get to that. But my big question for the Senator is about raw politics of persuasion and winning. Senator Bernie Sanders, welcome back to Primetime. My pleasure. You saw the rally last night. You see the big crowd. You see the enthusiasm. You heard the message. It's more of the same. Us versus them. Beware people like Bernie Sanders and these people on the left. They're out to get you. How can you beat President Trump?
4: Well, I think uh, that Trump is very vulnerable. But I think the best way that we beat him is run a campaign of energy and enthusiasm, which brings millions of young people into the political process, brings working people who have given up on politics into the political process, and by the way, reaches out to some of Trump's supporters who have learned that he is a pathological liar, and what he told them in 2016, that he was going to stand with the working class, was just not true. So I think we need to confront Trump with a progressive alternative that understands, Chris, that the working class of this country for the last 45 years has been decimated. In the last 30 years alone, we've seen the top 1% Mm -hmm. seen their wealth go up by $21 trillion, while the wealth of the bottom half actually declined. And real wages today are no better, despite all of the technology and productivity, than they were 45 years ago. The working class understands that. We have got to give them and the young people whose standard of living is going to be lower than their parents a reason to vote, a reason to understand why politics is so important. So how do you get them back? Let's talk about the how here a little
1: bit, Senator, because the push from the Trump campaign would be, yeah, That's why I'm the one who reached out to him, Sanders. I'm the one who connected with those people who you on the left forgot. You took them for granted. That's why they voted for me in numbers that Hillary Clinton could have only dreamed of in that
4: general election. You can have them back. They're mine. Well, I think the way to bring them back is to give them an agenda that speaks to their needs. All right. Right now, you have millions of people in this country working for starvation wages, wages of nine, 10, 11 bucks an hour. I believe, and most Americans believe, that if you work 40 hours a week, you should not be living in poverty. Raise the minimum wage to fifteen bucks an hour and get those people who are increasingly are fighting for $15 an hour into the political process. Chris, we are the only major country on earth that doesn't guarantee health care to all people. Mm. And the American people understand they're being ripped off big time by the drug companies. What our candidates have got to do, and what I will do, is tell the drug companies, guess what? We ain't going to subsidize you anymore. You are going to lower your prices by 50% so the American people can afford the medicine they need, which, by the way, is exactly the price being paid all over the world. So, We're going to move to a Medicare for All program. In other words, Chris, you're going to give people an agenda that they can right. latch on that they can feel good about and participate in the election. I get the plan, but as we all know, and I know that you don't like this part of
1: the process, and many policy purists don't, but there's got to be a connection with the messenger as well. And it's got to be about raw persuasion. And let's be honest, this president's gotten pretty far on a set of ideas that weren't exactly novel other than building a wall. So let's go to a moment that will really separate the winner from the loser. You're on stage with the president. And he's looking at you and he's saying, this guy, Bernie Sanders, he's in the inside forever. He's hitting you with socialist every time you give any kind of answer. He's taking personal shots at you. He's bringing up your family, calling you crazy Bernie.
4: What does Bernie Sanders say on the stage? Because you can't ignore it. No, you cannot ignore it. And I think the point to be made to Trump uh, is that, in fact, we have a society right now in many respects, which is socialistic in the sense that the federal government spends a lot of money helping certain kinds of people. The problem is we give billions of dollars in subsidies to the pharmaceutical industry, to the fossil fuel industry. In fact, Trump himself in his real estate company received massive amounts of subsidies and tax breaks. Mm. So what we say in response to the charge of socialism is you got socialism right now. Martin Luther King Jr. said, We have socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for the poor. And I agree with that. So what I believe in is a socialism that works for the working families of this country. And Trump believes in a socialism for Wall Street, for the drug companies and for the big money interests.
1: At the end of the day, you know, your concern has to be, of course, look, you want the best ideas to win. But we also know that that's not always how it happens. You know, one of the most indicative metrics of who wins presidential elections over the last bunch of cycles has been the who do you want to have a beer with contest. Um, Is that something that you think that you would be able to focus on personally? That if he's going to talk about me, I'm going to have to go toe to toe and I'm going to have to uh, win the messenger contest and
4: not just the message. Well, I I think, yeah, the answer to that is yes. But I think something else, Chris, and that we have got to be honest with the American people in a way that most politicians and the media is not honest. So how does it happen that after 45 years, after all of the speeches and the legislation uh, and the party platforms, how does it happen that the average worker today is no better off than he or she was 45 years ago? And then we have got to look at who really controls the economy and the political life of this country. This is something we don't do very often. I am prepared to do that and to tell the American people that Bernie Sanders alone as president cannot do all of the things that has to be done. That together, and and the message of our campaign is us, not me, that we need millions of people to stand up to tell Wall Street we're going to end their greed and break up the large banks. We're going to take on the insurance companies, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, the military industrial complex. No president alone can do that. And what makes my campaign different, I believe, than any other campaign, is that I understand that at the end of the day, if we're going to improve life for the working people, for the children, for the elderly, we need a political revolution. Now, I know that not everybody agrees with me, and I get people get a little bit nervous about that. But if you are serious about bringing change, why are we the only major country not to guarantee health care to all? It is the power of the insurance companies and the drug companies. And if we're not prepared to take them on, then all of the speeches and all of the plans don't mean anything. All right. So I am prepared to take them on.
1: So you're going to have to ask for uh, approval twice. If you make it to the general, well, that's what we're talking about right now. Right. Before, you've got to make it out of the primary. Elizabeth Warren and current polling is catching up to you. you got her... Biden and you are now at the top of the polls. Let's talk about each of them. Uh, What do you think the reason is that Elizabeth Warren is catching up to you in polls? Do you believe that people see her as the more electable
4: version of Bernie Sanders? Well, you know, I think we are running uh, against a lot of problems. Uh, I think that there are a certain number of people who would like to see a woman elected, and I understand that. Uh, There are people who would like to uh, see somebody who is younger. And I understand that also. There are a lot of factors out there. Elizabeth is a friend of mine. I think she's running a good campaign. But at the end of the day, Chris, whether it's Biden or Warren, Elizabeth Warren or anybody else, uh, what I believe is that, in fact, I am the strongest candidate uh, to defeat Donald Trump. And I think some of the polling shows that. I believe that our campaign can win. In the states, we have got to win, and that is Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Florida. And in all of those states, the polling has me at this point ahead, and I think that numbers will only grow in the months ahead. True.
1: The, the tweet you had today about this situation is you said the cat's out of the bag, corporate wing of the Democratic Party is publicly anybody but Bernie. They right. know our progressive agenda of Medicare for all, breaking up big banks, taking on drug companies and raising wages is the real threat to the billionaire class. Uh, the assertion aside, Elizabeth Warren can't be their poster child then, right? I mean, she's no. been going after corporate conglomerates in a big way for a no, long time.
4: That tweet was not about Elizabeth Warren at okay. all. Okay, right, Not at all. Elizabeth is a friend of mine and we're going to run, I hope, just simply issue oriented campaigns. This was, though, uh, a very strong statement about a group called Third Way. And you know that Third Way is the corporatist wing of the Democratic Party. And I am a little bit tired of hearing from these people, and this is not the first time that I've heard about it, and they say, we will support anybody except Bernie Sanders. So I don't mind taking on all of corporate America and Trump and the Republican Party, but I have a question for Third Way, and that is, if I win the Democratic nomination, I think we got a good shot at that, who are they going to support? Are they going to support Donald Trump or are they going to support Bernie Sanders? Chris, one of the very first questions that I was asked when I got into this race, people said, Bernie, if you don't win, will you support another Democratic candidate? And I said, absolutely. I will do everything I can to defeat Donald Trump. And if that candidate turns out to be a lot more conservative than me, somebody like a Joe Biden or somebody else, I will knock my brains out to see that he or she is elected because I want to defeat Donald Trump. So I'm asking this corporate wing of the Democratic Party, uh, a, a, a Wall Street funded group called Third Way, if I win the nomination, are you going to be there with me or are you going to go over to Donald we Trump? We will
1: reach out to them during the show, see if I can get you an answer in real time. Uh, it is a worthy question to be answered by them. Let me ask you one more quick thing. Uh, what happened with Biden? You had said Cory Booker's right. Joe Biden should apologize for saying something nice about uh, segregationist types. He came back tonight. You heard what he said, uh, that it's unfair to make him as anybody who has to apologize for his record on civil rights. He was just talking about the fact that he was able to work with them, not that he liked them.
4: Uh, Do you think he still needs to apologize? I do. You know, look, we all have to work with people with whom we have very different points of view. I do it every day. Uh, But I think to be singing the praises of people who were vicious segregationists uh, is not something that anybody. But he was be. talking about working with them. Is that
1: the same thing well, as singing their praises?
4: I'm not so sure about that. But that's all. Senator
1: Sanders, I appreciate your candor, and I appreciate you talking raw politics with me. I know you like to get into the policies, but at the end of the day, you got to convince people you can beat the person whose job you want to take. So, thank you very much for being on the show. You're always welcome here. Thank you, Chris. All right, be well, Senator Sanders. So. What's fueling the rise of Elizabeth Warren? You just heard there, Senator Sanders said that tweet today was not about her. It was about this other group within the Democratic Party. Okay, so let's take a look inside the numbers in this really robust battle for the progressive vote within the Democratic Party. We have a political forecaster here who is more than his good looks. Harry Enten. What does he see coming next? So it's not new that Sanders and Warren would be battling for the progressive vote, but it is new that we see a move from Warren. So let's bring in Harry Enten to help us before we get into the numbers there, because that matters. This Biden thing. Sure. All right. It was interesting to me to hear Bernie Sanders say, no, you know what? I'm not giving him a pass on it. He shouldn't have talked about those guys that way. He should still apologize. How big a deal is Biden's processing of his
5: past? Well, I, I, look, we have seen a lot of attacks over Joe Biden's past, and it hasn't moved the polling numbers. But what a lot of these Democratic candidates are seeing is that Joe Biden is dominating among African-American voters, and they want to take any bit of that pie that they possibly can. Now, obviously, they've brought up past votes with Joe Biden in terms of busing that really have not moved the poll numbers at all. But perhaps this one, this current statement that he just made, they're hoping that that may be able to eat into that support. Hmm. I'm not sure that it necessarily necessarily will, because Joe Biden's been dominating among African-American voters. He's also been dominating among older voters who, in fact, may remember James Eastland as a senator from Mississippi. So I'm a little hesitant to say that anything will move the numbers. But this, to me, is a level above. So I'm actually interested to see what occurs.
1: Hmm. And we'll know soon enough. We there's will. So much polling going on. Yeah. So Warren is making a move up the charts. Uh, is it fair to say she's taking a bite out of Sanders apple?
5: Yeah. So so take a look at this. This is a Monmouth University poll. Um, And they have a June, a May and an April. And take a look at this. So in June, what we see is that Warren is actually slightly ahead of Bernie Sanders at 15 percent to 14 percent. But look at the movement from Warren. She went from 6 in April, 10 in May, 15 in June. Look at the trend line for Bernie. 20 in April, 15 in May, 14 in June. So what we see there is that as Elizabeth Warren's going up, Bernie Sanders seems to be falling down. Why? 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 Well, let's take a look here. This is a key thing. So we've broken this down by liberal Democrats and moderate to conservatives. And we compare June to May. And what do we see here? We see Elizabeth Warren jumped up from 14 percent in May to 25 percent in June. But then take a look at the moderate to conservative lane. She hasn't moved at all. In fact, she moved a point down. Mm. So what she is doing is she is now starting to take the lead among liberal Democrats, at least according to Monmouth University. And that's the lane that she's dominating right now. How much of it
1: is about Monmouth versus, say, Suffolk? Poll. Yeah, did so, you have
5: better numbers so, for Bernie in that one? Right. So in the Suffolk University poll, which really doesn't have a trend line, Bernie Sanders was at the same 15 percent. Elizabeth Warren was at 10 percent. Now, depending on the polls, you might find Bernie Sanders a little bit ahead of Elizabeth Warren or Warren a little bit ahead of Sanders. But there's no doubt looking at the aggregate of polls, what you see is that Warren has risen from the mid-single digits back in March to now the mid-double digits – now in June, while Bernie Sanders went from the low 20s down to the mid-double digits.
1: And you see Joe staying pretty much flat up there at the top right now. He hasn't seen a real challenge yet. We'll see what happens because everybody's starting to get loved up by the media one by one. Beto, then Kamala, then Buttigieg, now Warren. So we'll see uh, what that impact is. If you are Bernie Sanders... And you're looking over your shoulder at Warren. Why? What are you paying attention to?
5: Well, I think that there are a few things that I would point out that, I, that I'd be paying attention to. Um, and, and this, I think, is a rather interesting thing that's going on. Elizabeth Warren has focused her campaign right on issues. I have the policy plans. I have a policy plan for everything. And this is a Quinnipiac University poll back from April when Warren was starting to rise. rise. And what did we see? Which candidate do you think has the best policy ideas? Elizabeth Warren was getting 19% of that. Now, compared to which candidate do you think has the best chance of beating Trump, Elizabeth Warren was only at 3% of that vote. So it seems- How much of that is because they think Trump ate her lunch on the lineage thing? It could very well be that. And that's something that she's obviously going to have to deal with. Because right now, her rise is mostly because voters are focusing on the fact that she has all these policy plans. But the fact is, if she is not able to convince them that she can beat Donald Trump, if she's not able to reach out to those moderate to conservative voters, just take again, look at this. These are the voters that she needs to win over, moderate to conservatives. And she's simply put not doing that right now. She needs to have a clear trend line, a movement up with them, because this block of voters make up about 50 percent of the party. And this block also makes up 50 percent. But if you're only rising with 50 percent of the party and the other 50 percent are flat and Joe Biden's running away with this lane, then that's more than enough to win the nomination, especially when you have 20-plus candidates.
1: So she can hurt Sanders more than she's hurting Biden at this point. You know what? i got to tell you, Harry, you just gave us some great perspective on what Senator Sanders was achieving in his hit with us tonight. If you think about it, what did he do? Forget about policy. Everybody's got policies. I've got a plan to beat Trump one on one. And that's what we need. That was an interesting turn for him. Maybe this poll is why him not giving Biden a pass when it comes to being nice to segregationists. Maybe that's
5: why he he wants to get in the voters minds that, hey, Joe Biden may be this more moderate guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's more electable. I just want to point out one other thing very, very quickly, which is the attention paid to the campaign. And this is another key thing for Elizabeth Warren. What we see is those voters who are paying a lot or some attention She's doing very, very well versus Bernie Sanders has the exact different thing going on. Those who are paying little to no attention, that's where he's doing his best. And that's a real worrisome sign for him going forward. Harry Anton, handsome genius. You know what? A handsome genius. But that two handsome geniuses, right?
1: Nah, We'll take one. One is good. All (laughs) right. So we heard from Joe Biden tonight. He is pushing back on his opponents. All right. He's saying, no way. I'm apologizing for my record on civil rights. Is he in the right that is the making of a great debate with these two next. When you're on top, you take the heat. And Joe Biden is drawing a lot of fire tonight for touting his past work with two segregationist senators. Critics, literally his own opponents, want him to apologize. Based on what the Veep just said, they shouldn't hold their breath.
2: Are you going to right, apologize thanks, guys. like Cory Booker apologize has Apologize for, for what? Cory Booker's called for it.
1: Cory should apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my
3: whole career, period, period, period.
1: Let's use that as the start of tonight's great debate. Jenk Yuger, Kaylee McEnany, great to have you both here. Jenk, do you buy Biden's pushback? Don't be telling me I have problems with civil rights. I've been fighting this fight from the beginning. I said that I remember the civility of working with these guys, that I could work with them, not that I like them. Is that enough?
3: No, it's not. Uh, I think that Joe Biden has a real problem here. He keeps uh, saying that he he liked working with segregationists, not just on the Democratic side. Let's not forget that he bragged about working with Strom Thurmond, who Mm -hmm. was a deeply racist uh, Republican who ran uh, for president under the segregationist ticket. And so uh, Biden's got to stop bragging about how much he likes racists. And, uh, and I know that that's his calling card. He says, well, you know, i love to work with the other side, and, but he was also opposed to busing. He also did the 1994 crime bill, and he's proud to have authored that with Strom Thurmond, originally in 91. So these are pretty disastrous if you're going for a Democratic or a general election. Are you but being I'm fair other, to him I'm in context, worrying.
1: Cenk? I'm listening to you, and I, I get the points if we accept your context— He didn't say he loved racists. He said that he remembered being able to work with those guys, even though he didn't agree with what was going on. And it was a statement about how now nobody can work with anybody. And Bussing, you've heard his answer on that, about what it was a different time about and what he was trying to achieve. And the 94 bill, you know, that was assault weapons. That was um, protecting women. And it was a time of fear. And there were a lot of people on both sides of the aisle calling for that, black and white, by the way, within the Democratic Party.
3: Yeah, Chris, so let's clarify a couple of things. So uh, some people who voted for the 94 crime bill now say they deeply regret it. Joe Biden is not among them. He still says he is proud that he helped to author that. So busing, he says he still has the same exact opinion. So it's very important that he did not change on those issues. Mm -hmm. And I definitely did not say that he loves racists. I said he loves working with people on the opposite side, including racists. And that's just the fact, because that's what he said. And, and then what I'm also worried about is that he likes working with Republicans. So I don't want him working with Mitch McConnell to get more tax cuts for the rich. He just was in a room full of rich donors and promised them, don't worry, nothing's going to change, and I'm going to protect you. I don't want him working with Mitch McConnell to protect the richest people in America. I'm more worried about that than what right. he did 30, 40 years ago.
1: All right, I hear you. I hear the arguments. Now, Kayla, you may be wondering, why am I here? And here's why, because ordinarily this is an opportunity to play to advantage, but I don't think you have the right horse to play to advantage here because we all know Donald Trump can convince people of a lot of things. He's not going to uh, convince people that Joe Biden is more friendly with people with extremist views than he has been. So does any of this really matter in terms of your campaign?
2: Oh, well, we're really proud of the president's record. And we, you know, as the Democrats right now are arguing over segregationist comments from Joe Biden, President Trump's just announced the Second Step Act for $88 million for uh, prisoners to reenter society. He also Many just said that he wouldn't change his position the on the Central Park crime Five crime bill. He said at the time there were people on both sides of no, that argument. He said but, now you know, you're we'll Leave it at that, your, he
1: said. Come on, Chris,
2: you know, you come. No, well, come on, come on, you. You know, we've been talking about the Central Park Five and racism and all of these things going back to the 2016 election problem. American people didn't believe it. They empowered President Trump to lead and he passed criminal justice reform. Ninety-one percent of people released, inmates released were black Americans. Mm-hmm. Historic First lows in black unemployment. Historic lows for black mm-hmm. poverty. This is a president who has won for black Americans. So if you guys want to keep bringing up Central Park Five, Uh, Keep doing it because it didn't work in 2016 Certainly won't work in 2020 Sometimes the The truth truth may not work in a
1: campaign It doesn't mean it's not the truth and it shouldn't come out He shouldn't change his position I'll never stop talking about it But Cenk, in terms of playing to advantage You guys making a mistake Eating your own when Trump is going to say Hey, maybe I'm better for those people than their own
3: no, first of all, uh, we're in a primary right now, and there's 24 candidates in that race. It's incumbent upon us to pick the best candidate that could actually take on Trump effectively, the most electable one. And the most electable one is actually going to be a populist progressive who says, I'm actually going to deliver higher wages and health care, all the things that Trump promised you but was totally lying about. On the issue of race, as much as a decade.
2: Haley, you're let entitled to your own point. opinion, not your own facts. Right, but you, you can't just lie hilarious. about that. Hilarious, hilarious.
1: Kaylee. You
2: can't it's lie hilarious on thing. Kaylee, will you let me try right,
1: so Kaylee, keyboard. I get your counter. No.
3: Cenk, what do you say to her counter? Uh- Okay, first of all, it's hilarious that she's trying to claim that she's on the side of facts when the Washington Post has Donald Trump lying over
2: 10,000 times
3: paychecks. in 869 uh, days. That he's the pathological liar. Hey, Kaylee, he just said the other day that he's going to round up millions of undocum- what undocumented about paychecks? immigrants. Now, you, you literally know, Kaylee, let, let me finish. Let me finish. You literally Hush said paychecks
2: are not Hush going up. Hush up. Hush up. You right, love right, to don't right. tell me me Nobody hushes anybody on the show. to filibuster.
1: Um, hold on, guys. Easy. You don't what have I, What I'm, what I'm saying is this, Jen. So, okay. Deal Problem. with the specific criticism. Do you believe this president has been better for wages in those communities uh, than was the case prior? Absolutely
3: not. If you adjust for inflation, wages are absolutely flat. What he did, the only thing he did, was deliver for the rich. The only thing he accomplished was tax cuts for the rich. And uh, the average American awesome. got nothing, absolutely nothing. If you adjust for inflation, wages didn't go up at all. He is a pathological liar. The only thing he ever built okay. was cuts for the rich and for corporations. He built no wall. Undocumented immigrants are crossing at a record pace for 13 years. He delivered on none of his promises except Jake, to his rich
1: campaign
2: I have, donors. I actually do have a to you, Unlike you, Jink, I actually have footnotes to my facts. The Bureau of Economic Analysis... Wages are growing at the fastest pace in a decade, twice as fast for low-income Americans. And the CNN poll from, I believe it was two months ago, showing 75% of Americans say the economy is in good shape. So, you know, yeah, you can say these non-facts, these these lies on national television, but the great news is, according to CNN, people think the economy is going well. So you're speaking to the 25%. I'll continue to speak to the 75%. You
3: support pathological liars, and I gave you a fact about adjusted for inflation, and you have no... No answer for that, because all you ever do, all your side ever does is lie. And you know, hey, Kaylee, will you come on here and agree that if in six months he hasn't rounded up uh, millions of undocumented immigrants, that you were wrong and I was right and that Trump's a liar?
1: Yes. We'll make a date of it and we'll come back in six months. But hopefully I have you both on before then. Thank you for making the arguments and disagreeing with decency. Very important on this (laughs) show. We get enough of the hostility everywhere else. All right. Did Democrats expect longtime Trump loyalist Hope Hicks to actually deliver today? Are they really surprised that when she came in there, that she stonewalled? All right. And what does that mean about what they need to do if they want to get answers going forward? We have a Judiciary Committee member. He was there for Hope Hicks, and Mr. Cohen was there for the first reparations hearing in a long time. Where's his head on both? Next. Look, none of this has been easy in terms of oversight with this administration for the Democrats in Congress, but they did get Hope Hicks in to testify, but she totally stuck to the script, or so we're hearing, handing the House Judiciary Committee a whole lot of no comments. This White House is claiming absolute immunity, something that committee chair Jerry Nadler said they will, quote, destroy in court, but that takes time. Tennessee Democrat Steve Cohen was in the closed-door hearing. Congressman, always a pleasure to have you on the show. First, am I right or wrong that she was not answering questions?
6: Well, they exercised immunity, and she abided by it for everything from January 20, 2017, uh, the beginning of the Trump administration. So there was no answers there at all. And even before that, during the campaign, she had a very limited recall and didn't uh, remember any of the things that possibly could have occurred. Either she was just uh, didn't listen in all those meetings or she really wasn't there.
1: Was there refreshment of recollection for her to help with the intrigue surrounding the payments and the stories that were put out uh, by the campaign, some of which were by her, about who was paid and when and why?
6: Uh, she, nothing seemed to uh, jar her memory. Uh, and she was just pretty, she said, I don't, I don't remember that. No, there was nothing about this. No, there was nothing about that. There was no talk about Russia. There was no talk about Kislyak. There was no talk about adoptions. There was no talk about sanctions. There was no talk. I guess they just talked about, uh, you know, Hillary and locking her up. Mm. So, Congressman, where does this leave you? You guys
1: right now are telling your party and the country, look, this is the way to do it. We go through these hearings. We'll fight where we have to in court. We'll get the facts together, and then we'll figure out if we have reasonable basis for starting an impeachment inquiry. My question has been all along. Isn't that what an impeachment inquiry is? And that constitutionally you wind up having more power to get people like Hope Hicks to talk and less time in court? I agree
6: with you. That's why I'm in favor of an impeachment inquiry. I'm in favor of impeachment. Uh, There's enough in the Mueller report uh, based on... um, Obstruction of justice. There's enough with emoluments. Uh, there's enough with disrespect for the First Amendment, for the press, for the judiciary, etc. And then for just his re- refusal to abide by or understand the law, like I'll accept foreign information on my opponent, and I won't listen to what Ray says. And if the FBI director says that's illegal, I'll just say he's wrong. These are the kind of things that show he can't faithfully execute the laws, which is the oath he takes, and that's the basis of uh, impeachment. So where does this go from here? Well, to be honest, without Nancy Pelosi's blessing, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, We now have 68 uh, folks who are in favor of impeachment or impeachment inquiries who announce such. There are more that are out there, and I think the more will be coming forth. Uh, I just think that we need to act partially because it's our duty. Uh, We have an oath, and impeachment is part of the... uh, Constitution and those of us in judiciary are charged with respecting the Constitution and supporting it. And it's clear. And if the Senate won't convict and the Senate won't convict, I don't think that's a reason not to bring impeachment uh, uh, in the House. We will do our job. If the Senate doesn't do theirs, I think they'll be dealt with by the the voters.
1: Yeah, it's got to be about what you see as good conscience and not fear of consequence, because then you're not really doing the job. Uh, But we'll see where that goes. Let's deal with how you're going to do things in the future. And now let's deal with what you're going to do about what happened in the past. What did you make of this hearing on reparations today? First of all, the fact that it happened at all uh, was remarkable. And what did you take away from the room?
6: Well, I think it was a remarkable day. We had great testimony. Uh, Tenahashi Coates, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he was the star, as he always is. Danny Glover was great. And Ms. It was wonderful witnesses and, and good a uh, questioning from both sides of, and on, 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 the, on the committee. But it was a great debate and it shows why we need to have a study of reparations. This isn't saying that we're gonna have reparations. It's not saying we're gonna have a check for people. It's gonna say we're gonna look into it. Charles Ogletree, a distinguished uh, attorney and Harvard Law professor, said that the way he sees it, it would be massive influxes of money for healthcare and education and job training for people who are left behind, particularly in the African-American community, but it could be others in the areas where there are high rates of uh, uh, unemployment, uh, health uh, deserts, uh, need for job training, et cetera. Um, the, we don't know what the, the, the study would produce, but the discussion today was, was uh, robust. Uh, it went to a lot of history, what African Americans have, and their, their ancestors have suffered from in this country. We had 250 years of slavery, give or take. We had 100 years of Jim Crow. And even since Jim Crow's ended, we haven't had such a wonderful time especially if you're African-American. No. I mean, in the, the injury is years. obvious.
1: It's what the damages, you know, wh- you know what the uh, award would be for the damages, right. just to use legal parlance on it. And when you have the Senate majority leader saying, well, pff, you got Obama. You know, we gave you the Civil Rights Act. I mean, what, what else you want? I mean, what is the prospect of really getting anything productive done?
6: Well, I don't know that we'll get any passed in this Congress. Until the, the Senate turns Democrat, we're not going to get much passed at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell has made it clear that he's the Grim Reaper. He's going to kill all legislation that comes from the House. We've, for the people agendas, included health care, lower prescription drugs, guaranteeing health care for people with pre existing conditions, uh, helping to work on some gun, gun legislation, uh, eliminating loopholes and make sure you get background checks, uh, working on climate change, working on ethics. We've got all that, but he's going to kill it all. We need to have a Democratic Senate or we're just going to suffer more and more and more and go backwards. You know, the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965. Mm. They have not passed an an additional Voting Rights Act. We're trying to renew it. But the last time we tried to renew it, we had hardly any Republican support in the House and even less in the Senate. Mm.
1: Congressman, thank you so much for giving the insight into these two big hearings today. Appreciate it. Congressman Steve Cohen, always welcome on the show. All right. Today's an important day in American history. Uh, Bernie Sanders wants to make today a national holiday. We refer to it as June teeth. What is it? Why it matters? What it should mean going forward. Let's bring in D. Lemon next. We get things done here for you. Cuomo t- primetime. Remember at the top of the hour, Senator Sanders said he had a question for centrist think tank third way. Will you support me if I am the Democratic nominee? We reached out. We just got an answer. Yes. Unequivocally, that's a quote. They would support Bernie Sanders if he won. But then they got in a dig. The co-founder pointed out that Sanders' press secretary bragged on Twitter about voting for Jill Stein in 2016, not Hillary Clinton, the nominee. But they said, yes, Senator, there's your answer. So today, Juneteenth, it was on this day, 154 years, that slavery finally ended in Texas. That's what marked the end of slavery in the United States. D. Lemon, forty-six states mm-hmm. recognize Juneteenth as a holiday. There is a renewed push to make it a national holiday. Senator Sanders says yes. Will it happen? What does it mean if it does?
7: I, I think it would be tremendous, and I think it should be. Let me just read something to you. This Please. is one of my, this is one of my favorite books. Right, probably my favorite favorite book. It's *A Fire Next Time* by James Baldwin. This is a letter to his nephew, and it was on the hundredth anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation. And he's telling him about his life. He says, it will be hard, James, but you come from sturdy peasant stock, men who picked cotton and dammed rivers and built railroads and in the teeth of the most terrifying odds achieved an unassailable and monumental dignity. You come from a long line of great poets, some of the greatest poets since Homer. One of them said, the very time I thought I was lost, my dungeon shook and my chains fell off. And so, and it goes on to talk about the country celebrating the 100 years of the freedom of 100 years too soon because we cannot be free until they are free, meaning the people who are discussing these issues now and who are opposed to reparations and who are opposed to um, talking about slavery. And then he says, God bless you, and James, and Godspeed. So I feel like that's where we are now, 154 years. We're celebrating the Emancipation uh, Proclamation. uh, In many instances, 154 years too soon because there are still people who Mm. oppose um, it being... Um, a, a national holiday and still people who are against some sort of reparation. So we're going to talk about that on our show.
1: What is, is there any good argument in your mind for opposing it as a national
7: holiday? Yeah, there. Yes, there is. I can understand where some people are coming from. As long as you are educated, you educate yourself and you present a valid, good argument. I don't think Mitch McConnell's argument is good on this. Um, as, as no, a not on
1: f- reparations. I'm
7: saying on making
1: Juneteenth a oh, national June holiday. 18, sorry.
7: OK, I, I, no, I don't think there are any good arguments. None, against it. Because think about it. What was Columbus Day about, right? You think about Columbus Day. America was was here. If you ask a Native American, Columbus didn't discover America. Amerigo right? Vespucci, right, is where the name comes so, from. So, and if you if town. you look at Valentine's Day, that is a holiday. If you look at New Year's New Year's Day, that's a national holiday. You look at Labor Day, that's a national holiday. You look at Thanksgiving, which was uh, the harvest festival celebrating pilgrims. Well, why can't we celebrate uh, slaves who helped build this country? who helped build the economy of America. Mm. So I don't see any good argument against having this um, as a national.
1: However, the resistance to that is a lens into what we saw today in that hearing or coming out of it on reparations. Just having Mm. it was a shocker.
7: But I do see I do see uh, arguments for for people. And listen, if you can present a valid valid argument, I'm talking about reparations now. You know, I think people should listen to it. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think a lot is owed to the descendants of slaves. How do you do that? It's a very complicated Mm -hmm. process. Sheila Jackson Lee is going to be on. She's going to talk about that. I'm also going to ask Cory Booker about that. And by the way, you know, Cory Booker is right in the thick of it now with Joe Biden as they're running and Joe Biden's comments uh, about former, working with former segregationists in the Senate.
1: Biden knuckled up. Yeah. He's not apologizing. He thinks Corey should apologize. Corey's
7: the first person on our show. When you and I get finished at the Mm. top of the show, we're going to talk to him about that.
1: Great. Great guest. All right, Don, I'll talk to you in a little bit. See you in a bit. All right. So we know there's a lot of division in America, but not just in politics, in general. And here's the argument tonight. Everyone's thinking that we're an election away from a cure. I don't. I think the problem is way beyond politics, and I have an example of what I think needs to change, and it's a lot easier than winning an election. Watch what I have to show you next. Angry, fringe politics, troubling sense of division, toxic Twitter, all real challenges. The vexing aspect is what to do. We often blame politicians, but they're are mere reflections of our society. So I argue the answer is not an election away. Even this president, for all his demagoguing, is still a symptom. I argue the change we need is not external. I argue this is the true face of the enemy, and it is us at our worst too often and has nothing to do with politics.
2: What is happening
1: group of men who don't know how to throw punches and they don't know how to be examples to their kids at a little league game outside denver colorado the players were seven damn years old you see them in the background running away in fear from their daddies the trigger here an alleged bad call by a 13 year old ump apparently over the batting order now four adults are facing disorderly conduct police are still looking for the one guy, the man in the white shirt on uh, the teal shorts, sucker punched someone. He's looking at possible assault charges. You can hear a woman in the video ask over and over, what's happening? What's happening? It's a good question. We talk about decency in Washington. But what's happening there is just a reflection of who we are. Be honest. We need to demand better of ourselves. Studies show being kind makes you happier. Being kind is contagious. It adds to longevity, success in relationships, and yet too often, too many are too mean. Online, for damn sure, but offline as well. Sure, POTUS and other electeds, but certainly this president, play on prejudices and hot passions, but they can't use what doesn't work. And it works because we're prone to those base instincts. To put it short and sweet, for all that different leaders and better politics may mean, maybe, If we started by being better to each other, we would create different expectations and different outcomes and reward different behavior in our politicians. Do your little bit of good where you are. It is those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Desmond Tutu said that, and he was right. And even if it didn't butterfly effect into the body politic, can any of us say our lives would not be a little better if we were a little more conscientious? about practicing kindness. That's our argument for tonight. Thank you for watching CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts now.
0: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.